Hi, everyone. So welcome to the Get Lit Podcast. I'm Julie. I'm Michelle. I'm Mary Lee. I'm Aria. And uh, today we're going to be getting lit by talking about the text Felix Ever After and Luna. So we're looking at uh, transgender narratives and how we would discuss these pedagogically in a classroom. So to kind of introduce these texts, if you haven't read them before, um, the book Luna is about a male to female transitioning character. Um, so that one is more of the male to female narrative. And then Felix Ever After is the opposite. So female to male narrative. So we see them at different phases during their transition. In Luna, we have a character that is currently under the process of a, a transition. But in Felix Ever After, the transition has already happened. But we're dealing with different circumstances of community um, either accepting or rejecting these characters in different ways. So um, I think that the Felix Ever After has an interesting opening summary um, or plot. So I'll read that to y'all. So Felix Love has never been in love. And yes, he's painfully aware of the irony. He desperately wants to know what it's like and why it seems so easy for everyone but him to find someone. What's worse is that even though he is proud of his identity, Felix also secretly fears that he's one marginalization too many, black, queer, and transgender, to ever get his own happily ever after. So we have in this text a person of color who is a transgender character. And now I'm going to open um, the floor to Michelle to kind of talk about one of the themes we're going to discuss in this podcast. Okay, so I was going to bring up a discussion question about um, sexual identities. Um, so when they're having a group discussion, Ezra says he doesn't care much about labels, but acknowledges that they might be important to others. He wonders, quote, if there was no straight people, no violence or abuse or homophobia or anything, would we even need labels, end quote. What do labels offer people in the face of discrimination and violence? What might they matter? What are some of the labels that feature in the book and why are they important for Felix and other characters? How do you use labels in your own life and which are the most important to you and why? So does anybody want to start? Mary Lee? Yeah, so um, I think it was interesting um, looking at some of the labels in the that are used in both of the novels that we read. Um, and you see like a difference, I think, in um, in the labels because these books were written at different times. Um, I think Luna was written in 2004 or six or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, four, okay, thank you. Um, and uh, Felix was written just a year or two ago and so the, the labels are very different, the language is very different, but um, I think it's important to these characters and important to our students that they see um, how the language changes and how, it's, um, how it can be useful and helpful to people regardless of those changes. Um, because the, the terms that Luna uses for herself um, are very significant and very important to her identity, even though they're words that today um, some people would consider like outdated or, um, yeah, it's just outdated. Um, and, you know, people like 
Felix would use different words, but that's okay because those are the words that they're using to claim who they are and their identity. And we can help our students see that it's okay. Whatever words that they need to claim to feel like their identity is important. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, Ariel? I think that um, both of these novels focus heavily on finding your label, your particular label. Um, I know Felix identifies as a demi boy, and then and Luna identifies as a transgender. Um, and with Felix, especially, I know he felt lost. Um, he didn't know who he was until he discovered his identity. Um, so I think it kind of gives you a sense of belonging. And I think that group support group that he went to definitely helped. And when Luna met the other transgender and they had a conversation and she met up with her, I think that just solidified who they were in their liminal space. And it kind of symbolized them coming out of that liminal space. Um, so I think for them, labels are very important. Okay, Michelle. I was gonna kind of piggyback on that. Um, when it asked, like, would labels even be necessary? That's something that I focus on in my classroom when we read different texts. Um, how instead of everybody being one, you know, we kind of need to celebrate each individual culture, like the things that people are proud of. And so in Felix Ever After, you kind of see him struggling with his identity like he doesn't like going to the pride parade even though he is in that community because he doesn't feel like he necessarily fits but then at the end of the book once he figures out who he is he has a label he's confident in it he does go to the pride parade and he loves it and he's celebrating who he is but it's because he has finally labeled himself and then there was a part in luna that stood out to me about this as well um on or in chapter five, it says, then it happens. She exposes herself, Leah Marie. The change is visible, noticeable, at least to me. She throws her arms in the air and begins to gyrate her hips in double, triple time to be wild out of control as if she's been holding back for years. And I think even though it was Leah Marie at this point and not Luna, when both of these characters feel most like themselves and like they don't have to hide who they are and they're confident in their label and in their identity, they're their happiest. So instead of like getting rid of labels and everybody just kind of meshing, I think it's important to celebrate each culture kind of like the pride parade does so that they feel proud, you know, of who they are, no matter what they identify as. Yeah. So I guess that kind of brings in the question of whether or not this uh, gender bred um, activity that we've had, whether that would be a good tool for, you know, the beginning of a semester for, you know, middle or high school students to kind of um, introduce ways of, you know, expression, identity, attraction, and sex, and the differences uh, between those when you're introducing a text like this. Um, or even just, you know, like when you're first day of class, when you take those uh, pronouns and ask them their preferred name. Um, to me, I think that's especially important. That way, there's no tensions as far as um, what they, what their real name is, or what their preferred name is. Because for me, my full name, I don't go by that. But whenever I have these online classes and stuff, I don't have the choice of going by my preferred name. Um, so I think that maybe doing something about that in a classroom would be. Um, a good way to kind of bridge these texts, I guess. 
Um, but yeah, we also see Felix, even though labels are liberating, they're also kind of problematic um, because they do struggle with finding the right one. And I think that for me, um, I know that some people believe identity is fixed, but Felix seems to be more um, transitional, I guess. Like the ability to pick your label, it can change at any time. Something that might work for a little while, like Demi Boy, might change later on. It just depends on the process um, of, I guess, growing up. We're constantly growing up. Um, but yeah. Yeah, Mary Lee. Um, yeah, so when you mentioned about um, your preferred name and your chosen name, and I, that made me think of how both of these novels are the characters' preferred names and how symbolic that is of their happiness. And at one point, I think it's toward the end of, of Felix, um, his friend uh, Ezra says something about Felix means lucky, but it also means happy in different languages. And so Felix ever after means happily ever after. Um, because like you were saying, you know, even if he doesn't have one specific label for all of his life, you know, he's chosen his name, Luna's chosen her name, and they can be happy even as they're questioning their different, um, their other labels, you know, they have their name, they have something that makes them happy that they can hold on to. And I think, um, like you were saying with the, the gingerbread man, um, kind of as an exercise, not to scare students or anything, or make them feel like they have to tell anybody anything that they're not ready to communicate yet, but just to show them that, um, that there's a way to express, um, who they think they are now and that it's okay that that might change. Um, so like even I don't have a lot of like actual classroom experience. So I don't know how this would work, but I kind of thought maybe if you gave them that uh, exercise kind of at the beginning of the school year or the semester, and then again at the end and just not have them turn it in or anything, they can talk to the, to you as the teacher if they want to, but they don't have to, but just have them do it at the beginning and at the end and see if they're the same, if they're different, um, and just kind of helping them celebrate themselves as they grow, um, I think would be really cool. Yeah. Or you could even make it into like a character analysis thing too, where you give them the gingerbread man activity. That way there's enough distance that if they don't feel comfortable, like you were saying about revealing certain aspects of themselves that might be more private or closeted, I guess. Um, it's easier to kind of do a character analysis using that kind of method of understanding, okay, so this person identifies as queer in this kind of a way, but they are romantically attracted to X, Y, or Z. Um, so I think that that's another way too, that we could approach it in a classroom. Um, but yeah. So um, we've talked a little bit about labels. Maybe we should talk about um the discrimination, the forms of discrimination we see um, towards queer people or transgender people in the texts. Um, so in Felix Ever After, in particular, we see the character Marisol, um, who is a lesbian, kind of discriminate against Felix in interesting ways. And Michelle, I think you said you wanted to say something about that? Yeah, so I found it interesting looking at characters such as Marisol and Hoyt 
who are essentially the bullies of the story. Um, so Mary Soul's issue is that she feels like Felix can't be a feminist if he didn't want to be a girl. And then Hoyt's just kind of like transphobic. He's just a bully throughout the story. Um, but it is in a, you know, a past time. It's not present. So I feel like the feminist was more of a present uh, like example because feminism is huge right now. Pride is huge right now. So anyways, they're both bullies in their own ways. So I kind of wanted to bring this up because this past year in my classroom, I did deal with a bully or bullies, multiple, um, because I had a student that was transitioning into a boy. Um, and so the changes were very evident and a lot of students were confused, but some of them, you know, were bullies such as like Hoyt and Mary Saul. And I just kind of wanted to ask how would y'all address that? You know, like if you had the issue in your classroom, um, going beyond just like getting counselors involved and stuff like that, like how would you address it in your classroom to try to make a change? Are you? So I've had a similar issue in my class as well. And after our um, meeting on Thursday, I was thinking um, when I begin my school year coming up very soon, um, I'm going to have, you know how you in the beginning you have to create a classroom culture where everybody feels safe and they know what to say and what not to say. I think I'm going to include some type of information, maybe similar to what Dr. Nsinga posted um, yesterday, um, so that students can just know the difference between how people identify, and we could just open up a discussion about it so that they could be more understanding. I don't know if that's going to necessarily make them more accepting, but at least they can understand the different titles um, and know that within the classroom, they can't you know, judge people or bully people just because of how they identify. Yeah. Um, as far as y'all's um, experiences with uh, transgender students in the classrooms, I am not an educator yet, but I plan on being one eventually. Um, but I, I think that your stories are interesting in how little the educator can actually do. I was actually really surprised by that um, during our last meeting um, because all you seem to really be able to do is hand it off to someone else, which I think is interesting. Um, the only way that I noticed that you can really affect change is by listening to the student as far as the, the issues that they have, just being um, uh, open to listening to what they're going through. But as far as affecting change, I think it's a little sad that there's not a whole lot. Yeah, Michelle. Um, so to piggyback on that, the student that I was speaking of, uh, he would write me notes. So I taught him two years in a row. Um, so the first year I saw like the first part of the transition um, with the testosterone and things like that. And then this year, it was the actual transition, like the top surgery and stuff. And so this student has confided in me. We have a strong relationship. And so he started writing me notes. Well, the issue there is that I have to, I'm a mandated reporter, so I have to turn those notes in and get the counselors involved. 
And most of the time, like we saw in Felix Ever After, until they're ready, like he didn't go to the community, like the group support, um, until he was actually ready. And you can see what it does to him when he's not ready, how he runs out, you know, like having a panic attack. And it's the same thing with the student that I'm speaking of, because I tell him, like, I, I have to report this, you know, you because some of the things that he said are concerning. So it's upsetting because you want to help that those students so much and you want to be their confidant and you want to discuss with them openly. But then you have to go and report everything that's been done. And kind of when the counselor gets involved, I've noticed students kind of shy away of what they say to you. So it's kind of like a catch 22. It's like they confide in you, but then you have to report and then they get kind of upset and they stop confiding and they're just keeping it in because they, in my experience, my students haven't opened up to many counselors. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a struggle, but I feel like the more normalized it becomes in society, the uh, more options become available, such as those support groups. Um, and I feel like a lot of internet-based groups exist as well that are very helpful. So, And I even thought of this book, like, while I was reading on the first few chapters, I was like, I need to give this book to my student. This is perfect. Yeah. So I guess that brings up the question, too, of whether or not, you know, middle schools or high schools even have, like, an LGBTQ plus organization or if that's still like we're in the south so we're still pretty conservative yeah michelle um my both of the schools that i've taught at so far have had a um it's like a club and they meet after school um it's like i think it's called gay gay straight alliance and so it's geared towards like students from both backgrounds not that there's only two but the whole goal behind it is taking students who are quote unquote normal with students who are, you know, maybe lesbian or gay or, or homosexual is the correct term, but, or transgender, they can come together and kind of discuss their differences and make more of an actual community. And then they make um, like activities to do around the school to involve more students to kind of reach out to them. But it also acts as a, like a peer counselor program. So that way a teacher does not have to be directly involved. So the students, like, uh, if they are struggling with mental health, um, like my student was, I referred him to that group because he can go and speak to another student who may be going through the same thing and it doesn't have to be reported. Mm -hmm. And so it's more of like an open discussion where they don't have to fear, you know, this is going to go to the counselor and then to my mom and dad and they're going to think that I'm not okay. So it's more of an open dialogue between students of the same age range going through the same issues, but also trying to involve the people who don't understand to help guide them in the direction of understanding. Yeah, I think maybe a queer book club would be a good idea for one of these things. But yeah, Ariel? Um, I just had a question for Michelle. Do you teach at a high school or in a middle school? I'm at a high school. Okay, so I'm at a middle school, and I know it's it's kind of difficult to get, like, clubs and organizations involved for the, that community um, because we just simply cannot talk about it. Um, I actually slipped up once, and I knew this particular student identified as gay, and I said it. 
then the parent got involved and was upset and was just like, no, my kid is not gay. You shouldn't say that. It was a whole ordeal with like administration. So we just simply cannot talk about it at all. And it's kind of hard because the kids know how the other kids identify and they bully them. And if we tell the counselor, the counselor has to tell the parent. So the, the kid that identifies a certain way as gay or whatever it may be, they get in trouble again. They're one being bullied and two, their parents are finding out and they're getting in trouble at home as well. Yeah, Michelle. So it is kind of difficult to address it like Michelle said. Um, and um, I guess the only way we can is if it becomes more accepted in, and um, I guess all different communities, because I know in the African-American community and most of my, 99% of my students are African-American, especially for boys, it's just like, no, you can't be gay. You have to be masculine. This isn't going to work. So. Yeah, Michelle. Well, I will say that we struggle with the same things. Um, that club was kind of like, student made like it's a more student made club um yes there's like a representative there that you know has to be there for legal purposes but it's really the students coming together um and something that i've seen work for the students like i'm in a title one school so a lot of students can't drive and their parents are working so they can't take them to after school um activities so the important part of it which is like the peer counseling program They've started letting them meet um, during our, I guess where you could say like our advisement time, they'll have all of the students come together if needed. And like, if there's an incident where some, a student needs, you know, someone to talk to, they can pull, if you're an elected peer counselor, you can pull that student out of class. And then this year, we also did this cool thing where the students, um, it's called the trusted adult program. And it's kind of like the students of the school picked certain uh, teachers in the building to be trusted adults. So if someone's struggling with whatever and needs to talk to a, an adult, like doesn't necessarily want to talk to a student, they put um, almost like certifications outside of our doors for the teachers that were selected as trusted adults. And so it kind of gives us more leeway to talk to the students. But to kind of go away from the club and more into what you're saying, I think you say, is it, you know, as we progress, it'll get better. But I kind of, I'm going to play devil's advocate because this isn't necessarily dealing with um, the LGBTQ community. I see a label issue and parents getting mad every day and it deals with um, like disability. So students who need an IEP, and are not getting the IEP because their parents refuse to admit that their student needs help. I don't know if y'all have ever witnessed something like that, but they don't want their students to be labeled as um, like disabled, even if it's just that they need extra support in reading um, comprehension or their Lexile is lower or anything, something like that. Like I had a student last year who there was something, you know, very clearly wrong in the classroom because he couldn't get the hang of things and I wanted to have him tested um the the mom was refusing and I, when I went to the counselor I found out that she's been refusing testing since he was in elementary school mm. well we did we started RTI and went through all of the phases which is where she kind of 
loses the right to be as involved, like the school goes through steps. Well, end of the story, he ended up being tested and he's autistic. So he made it all the way to ninth grade without being serviced because the mom didn't want to admit that her son was autistic. And I know that has nothing to do with um, transgender, but it's a label and one that's not accepted by society. And it's been around forever and it's still the parent cannot admit to themselves that their student or their student, their um, child, you know, needs extra support or is different. And so I feel like it's just an issue in our society in general, in general with labels, if it's something that's out of the normal. Yeah. I think that connects well to what we're talking about because arguably Felix has a learning disability too. That's why the artwork scholarship is so important. Their grades aren't the best. It doesn't necessarily say that they're dyslexic or anything, but I think that you could read into them having some type of learning disability. Um, But yeah, I think it's interesting how the othering is especially, I guess, doubled or tripled in a lot of cases as far as that goes when um, that's why the LGBTQ community and the disabled, like uh, anyone with like disabilities, like those communities kind of stick together because a lot of the times they're seen as disabilities in certain ways. Like, if someone's queer, it's seen as that in a lot of societies still um, as like a form of like um, dysphoria or a mental illness or something. So it almost like tries to um, attack the well-being, um, the psychology, I guess, of it. But um, yeah, I do think that those are two issues that go hand in hand. And I'm glad that you mentioned them. Um, yes, Mary Lee. I just, um, I really appreciate what Michelle is talking about and what you were saying with the, um, how the labels for, um, both LGBTQ plus students and disabled students and, um, are both, I guess there's pros and cons. I think they're, they're more helpful than harmful, but, um, I also think The problem is not that, the problem is not the labels. The problem is society's attitude about the labels. Mm -hmm. It's because everyone's afraid to put a label on something. Um, uh, I guess not, I should have rephrased that better. It's not that they're afraid to put a label on something. They're afraid to put a label on it as something different. Like you were saying, something other. Um, If it's going to, if it's, gonna be a label it's got to be one of these specific labels or else it's invalid or it's too different or we don't want to have to deal with that um so the the labels are important as comes to people's identity and it gives them a sense of kind of who they are and who they want to be um so they're important in that way and i think they're helpful but they're also um they can also be scary like um felix is uh, struggling with his identity in the novel, you know, and he's like, well, sometimes I feel like this and sometimes I feel like this. And it's, um, like you were saying, it's that flexibility, you know, and we don't have to treat labels as a bad thing or as a static thing either. Yeah. Um, Michelle. Especially at that age, because you just mentioned him struggling with labels And I was thinking um, 
like going back to our first podcast where we spoke heavily about the liminal space, I was like, Felix is trying to figure this out while Ann Luna, while he they're in the liminal space. And there were two quotes that stood out to me um, specifically from Felix. So on page 58, he says, I'm not sure if I'm actually a guy. I know I'm definitely not a girl, but that's all I know. And then on page 80, he says, it's one of the most confusing times in my life. I thought for some reason that I had to figure out which I was more attracted to either. I was gay or I was straight. And then if you look beyond that, um, where he struggles with, you know, wanting to get accepted into Brown and have the perfect, um, portfolio because he wanted to prove himself not only as, um, transgender, but as a successful black male as well. It's just like he's dealing with all of these issues that normal teenagers deal with, um, like trying to be accepted by their parents, trying to prove that they're good enough to get into a good college and all of the things that people or adolescents in the liminal space go through. But you have this added label and he's dealing with so much more questioning, like, I don't know if I'm a guy, I'm not a girl. I don't know who I should be attracted to. Like, where do I fit in? And I'm like, it, it has to be hard to go through all of these changes, especially in the liminal space. And I feel like the way that you see it a lot in the high school with labeling and um, the rejection of labeling, I feel like it's so selfish because instead of servicing the students, uh, the label not labeling is more for the person who doesn't need it. So like going back to that student I was speaking of, he could have had extended time on state testing. He could have had um, pull out where he had passages or questions read to him and extra help. He could have had a co-teacher. He could have, you know, there's so many services available, but instead of just giving him the label to help him, people, you know, are selfish and they are scared of being, you know, being connected to that difference. And I just, so, yeah, I feel like by not labeling because of fear for the other is not beneficial to either party. And it actually harms um, people, especially in the classroom. So I feel like we need to be more progressive, especially when it comes to education um, and more accepting so that we can move forward so that everybody is healthy and everybody is learning and progressing together. Yeah, I think community is especially important. Uh, Mary Leaf. Yeah, just to add to that a little bit, um, I think we see some of that need for appreciation of difference in Felix, especially because um, uh, in the academic sphere, uh, specifically because he talks about wanting to go to an Ivy League school, but his grades maybe aren't the best, but his art's fantastic. And we read um, an article about the importance, you know, of multimodality in the classroom and um, having different options for students to express themselves and to communicate. Um, and so I think that we see how that kind of plays out in a more, even though it's a fictional book, you know, how that plays out in a more realistic way with, with uh, Felix and um, how art is an expression um, that communicates just as much as writing or other traditional forms of, of communication. And so that multimodality is really important for students as well as um, different helpful labels. And so we can see just how important those differences are and the importance of accepting the differences as helpful. Yeah. 
so like in uh, Felix Ever After, we see the the outing gallery where uh, a student uses Felix's private photos, steals them off Instagram, and then posts um, their uh, dead name alongside the pictures of their identity before their transition. And then in the end of the text, I think it's really beautiful how it's kind of plays out Felix taking that and fighting against um, that image and the dead name with repainting himself in an artistic, but also a beautiful way. So I do think that that modality that you're talking about is especially important when it comes to allowing our students a creative component for expressing themselves alongside of the texts that they're reading. So that's something that we could consider as um, educators as well as you know, using Instagram um, or social media in some type of way to kind of make the conversation larger um, or those resources like in um, the old podcast where Michelle talks about uh, in Ghost Boys, instead of having like links to um, various people that were um, committed crimes against, we have instead different communities for uh, gender identity or expression or LGBTQ resources. I think that would be an interesting way of having them do their own research and then read and understand the perspectives of the characters that they're getting involved with if we were to teach these in the classroom, which I guess that opens the floor to whether or not you all would either pick Wuna and or Felix Ever After to teach or if you would not teach it, if anyone wants to answer that question. I think it's pretty difficult, honestly. Um, Michelle. Um, so I really loved Felix Ever After. I think it was a really powerful novel and what I appreciated it uh, about it as an educator instead of just a reader was that I feel like any student, no matter where they are, no matter how they identify, could relate to the issues in the book that the teenagers are all facing because you see issues of privilege, um, race, uh, sexuality, like it's all present and it really brings in the liminal space aspect. And I feel like all struggling teenagers go through the issues that are present in the book. And it's not solely about, um, you know, transgender. So I also found like when I was reading Felix Ever After, I was like, how would I go about teaching this? Like what questions would I ask um, that would be meaningful and impactful? Um, so I started, you know, researching, teaching Felix ever after or discussion questions or further, um, analysis or further questioning, kind of like ghost boys does at the end of the book, um, because it wasn't provided. So I found an interview with the author of the novel and I found an interesting question and it's not really for the students. It's more for the educator. Um, so the author was asked, what do cis and straight readers need to bring to the table when reading trans narratives? For example, it seems wrong for readers to give themselves a pat on the back for reading about a non-binary character or a demi-boy like Felix and then walk away and warp the character's identities. And so she answered and said, as we've seen with the most recent Black Lives Matter protest, it isn't enough to put a black square on your Instagram and call it a day. It isn't enough to pick up the hate you give and say, okay, I understand black people now. It's the same with Felix ever after in any book featuring a trans or non-binary protagonist. If a cis and het person is really committed to being an ally, 
I want them to read multiple books by multiple authors, commit to reading multiple stories and understanding that even if you have read a thousand books by trans and non-binary authors, we still wouldn't fully portray what our identities mean to every trans and or non-binary person in the world. And I really think that spoke to what I was trying to say about Felix Ever After, because even though he struggles with his identity because he is trans and doesn't know if he's fully a boy, it's all of the issues that he is facing are, are actual teenage issues, mental issues that teenagers go through in the liminal uh, space. So I feel like, you know, if we introduced stories such as this one and kept the conversation going, we could hit on issues that needed to be addressed with the labeling with um, I did any, but we can also address many other aspects. And so I feel like students, if they buy into the book because they can connect to it, more change will be made and more understanding will come rather than them just kind of, like I feel like if I taught Luna, a lot of students wouldn't connect to it because they wouldn't understand it and they would kind of give up on it. Whereas Felix, I feel like all students could connect to it because there are so many issues present that students go through in the liminal space. Yeah, that's true too. And then with Felix, we also have um, the absent parent um, narrative as well. So even if they aren't transgender, we still have this overarching theme with parents not being understanding, involved, or absent from um, the liminal spaces that teens go through. Um, Mary Leith or Ariel? Um, I, I think I would try, I don't have experience, but I think I would try to teach, um, Felix probably would be better, um, with, or be more teachable, I guess, for a younger uh, class, maybe high school. I think Luna would need to wait, like Michelle is saying, it'd be difficult, but I think both of these together are very powerful in showing progress. Um, so I would try to teach them, um, for sure. I think they teach very important messages to students. Cool. Ariel? I would also teach Felix, especially to my sixth graders. I think um, Luna could be taking, taken the wrong way. They might look at Reagan's perspective and be like, oh, well, she doesn't like her brother because he's transgender and he's um, she's ruining Reagan's life. So they might take it the wrong way. And since they're so young and they don't really understand how to process things, they might kind of form a hatred toward the other. So I think Felix would be better for a younger audience. Yeah, I think I agree with that stance as far as um, Felix is also a character that embraces more liminality, um, different. It's not just like, a, for lack of a better word, like a white problem, you know, because um, you're dealing with issues of privilege when you're dealing with Luna's transition as far as that kind of goes. Both parents are there, even though they're not great. Um, with Felix Ever After, we have a little more tension with being Black, poor, and a uh, trans character. So I think that there's definitely a lot more in a classroom that you could probably discuss as far as those go, as well as the discrimination in the text as well. But yeah, we've gone a little bit over our time, but we really enjoyed uh, reading these texts and discussing them. And we look forward to hearing your comments. Um, but yeah, we're going to sign off now. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.